The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here we are. We are back. Uh, done with my short hiatus uh, after doing the uh, the many uh, opponent preview shows. Then we did our conference previews with Ross Jackson from Locked On NFL, Locked On Saints. And now here we are. It's preseason. We we played a game on Saturday. Uh, sorry for the delay in getting the show out. I actually wanted to wait to find out uh, who the Bears were going to cut because the um, they had to get it down from 90 to 85 uh, by this afternoon. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. So um, we got our five players uh, cut down. We have our 85 guys that we're going to be playing against Buffalo with. Uh, on uh, Saturday when Mitch Trubisky returns to Soldier Field. Um, I am very interested to see what his reception uh, is going to be like because there are still, even to this day, some some Mitch apologists out there. Um, I'm sure those would be the ones that will be standing and clapping the rest of us. I mean, I'm not, I don't really feel anything either way. Uh, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet uh, thing. You like the guy. Not a big fan of the player. You know what I mean? He just, uh, he didn't quite, uh, he didn't, well, he wasn't the number two overall pick. That's for sure. Uh, Definitely not the second best player in that draft. Uh, Not even the best quarterback in that draft, despite what the scouts were saying heading into the draft. Trust me, the Bears weren't the only ones that thought Mitch was the best of that class. And, um, you know, it just didn't work out. So he's off to Buffalo in the next phase of his career. And uh, the next phase in Bears history took place uh, on Saturday, uh, played for most of the second and third quarters, got off to a shaky start, 
but uh, dazzled in the second half. It almost almost seemed like maybe the shackles were taken off a bit, and uh, Justin was allowed to play his game as opposed to what we were whatever it was we were doing in the first half, and we'll talk a bit about that. So let's go ahead and dive right in. It's the preseason week one review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Out loud Believe me, since the 30th of April, I believe, was it the 30th or was it the 29th? I think the draft started on the 29th, so that would have been the first round. But since the 29th of April... Uh, Saturday, the 14th of August was the date that was circled, uh, on the calendar, even though we didn't know that date for a few weeks, uh, after the schedule didn't come out till, till mid May, but that was the day that we've all been looking, looking at. You guys have heard me talk about that date many, many times, uh, since the schedule came out, uh, the debut, uh, of Justin Fields in a bears uniform, the first home game in soldier field with fans since what week 16, of uh, 2019, I believe, because I know that 2017, we were in Minnesota uh, finishing uh, the season. But uh, week 16, I think, of 2019 was our last home game. So you're talking like before Christmas uh, of 2019. And here we are, uh, what, almost two full years later. So 20 months later, we finally have fans in the stands. And a trust me, a, a, a more populated than usual crowd at Soldier Field for a preseason uh, debut, number one, because uh, it's the first home game that the Bear fans are allowed to go to since December of 2019, and because of that guy that we happened to pick up on April 29th, Justin Fields, the 11th overall pick, and the future uh, of our quarterback position. So uh, it was a very exciting day. Noon on Saturday could not get here fast enough. Trust me, it just it, like it when I woke up on Saturday morning, it just felt like noon was not going to get here. Like every time I checked my watch, it was five minutes earlier than it was the last time I checked it. It just it just wasn't going to come, you know. But uh, finally, the game uh, got underway. Uh, our defense uh, did some things. Um, you know, I, I, I recorded an e-jerk reaction, but I did that more so to kind of keep some points in my head than, than anything that I, I wasn't planning on using it uh, for the show. But when I went back and I listened to it, it was, um, it was pretty spot on. Like the, the things that we saw from the defense were things that we saw last year. Uh, the good and the bad. The good being that we're usually pretty damn good on first and second down, but have trouble getting off the field on third down for one reason or another. Um, you know, we had a the the first scoring drive for the Dolphins. Um, there was a big fifty yard pass uh, from Tua to I think Mike Gusecki, his tight end, uh, where he beat Alec Ogletree. Uh, in coverage and then Ogletree kind of got him pinned against the sideline and kind of went to like I don't know like gingerly pull him out of bounds and Jacecki got away from him ran for another 15 yards or so and ended up being like a 50 yard play for the Dolphins that got him inside the five yard line uh, for the Bears or whatever it was and uh, but and in the end it was also Alec Ogletree that put it put that drive put a stop to that drive by shooting the gap on third down and uh, forcing a field goal. But that play to Gusecki uh, for the big 50-yarder and the first down was on third down. Uh, Tua's last drive of the first half, um, he it was for 11 plays, 
before you know before they t- before they took him out, and it just it, it just happened over and over again. Uh, we we actually stopped him at one point on like third and twelve, and, and Joel Ea Buniway um, got as much of uh, Miami Dolphins receivers jerseys in both hands as he possibly could, and got called for the hold, which is 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 aggravating because the yardage for the penalty isn't enough. Wasn't enough for the first down. It's a five-yard penalty defensive holding, but it's an automatic first down. So it just gave them a first down that they didn't earn because uh, because Iggy didn't want to get beat, beat in coverage. So it was it was little things like that you saw throughout the entire uh, first half. We, we were very good on first and second down. Could not get off the field uh, on third down. Both Tua and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, in the first half, kind of had their way uh, with the defense, and um, you know, just just were able to get the you know keep the keep the drives going. I mean, you know, the amount of plays and the time of possession was heavily in uh, Miami's favor uh, in the first half. So I mean, it just uh, I'm trying to see now for trying to see now who it was that because uh, there was a touchdown. That um, that Miami scored, and I'm trying to see who it was that uh, scored the touchdown in the second quarter. Was it was it Brissett or was it Tua that led the drive? I, I believe it was Brissett. Yeah, it looks like it was Brissett. Yeah, it was right at the start of the second quarter. Twenty twenty three yard touchdown pass, make it thirteen to nothing. Or actually, right at the end of the second quarter, because uh, that's when. Uh, Fields came out for the two-minute drill and uh, got us in field goal range. And then that's where we kind of started to see it because, you know, Andy Dalton came out there. He was only on the field for six plays. It was two drives uh, for Andy Dalton. Both drives were, were, were three and out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then because then, we didn't get our first first down until Justin Fields threw a pass uh, in the two-minute drill with 45 seconds to go. That was our first first down of the game was in that two-minute drill uh, before halftime. Um, you know, David Montgomery, I think, was in the game for like one or two plays, came limping off the field. We never saw him again. Uh, I'm, and from what I hear, there's, there's I mean, like nothing made uh, of the injury, so I'm guessing maybe he just tweaked something or, you know, whatever it was. But, you know, preseason, precaution, he didn't go back in the game. Uh, liked what I saw from Damian Williams uh, running the football. Um the offensive line wasn't great, but it held up reasonably well for all the for all the nightmares that we were hearing about in in the joint practices where neither offensive line for Miami or Chicago was was doing well in protecting their respective quarterbacks. Um, you know, there was a, a fair amount of protection being being made uh, for those quarterbacks uh, in the actual uh, games. Um, there were very little. I mean, there was there was pressure. There was a lot of pressure in some cases. Uh, the Bears did a hell of a job putting pressure on Brissett and uh, Tua, but didn't bring either one of them down. So um, you know that's a, that's a credit to the offensive lines. Uh, that's also a credit to Brissett and, and Tua because they moved around in the pocket and were able to get away uh, uh, from the pass rush. But the the pressure was there, uh, which was nice to see. But you know. Um, you know, it's still a work in progress with the offensive line, especially since they're they're ours anyway. I don't know what's going on with Miami, 
but I know that our offensive line is kind of a makeshift deal. You know, Mustafa's in there uh, and Cody White here. Those are the only day one starters that are actually playing right now. I don't think James Daniels has made his way back into uh, into the lineup uh, yet. I think Alex Bars was our right guard, and we had um, Elijah Wilkerson and um, oh Elijah Wilkerson and. Um, It was Lachavius Simmons. That's who it was, the uh, seventh rounder from last year. Um, it was Lachavius Simmons was was playing at right tackle uh, for the Bears. I mean, those those are not going. I mean, we didn't sign Elijah Wilkerson to be a starter uh, for us, and Lachavius uh, Simmons as a seventh round pick. I don't think we have another Charles Leno on our hands just yet, so I don't think he's meant to be out there. Uh, you know, Jermaine Ofiedi still out with the uh, hip flexor. Uh, Larry Baram isn't hasn't come back yet from the from the concussion. Tevin Jenkins still having his back issues, so you know the offensive line is still a concern. Uh, but it held up pretty well considering all that we've been hearing in the negative uh, in practice. With number one, with these guys going down like flies, and number two, uh, you know the joint practices. Neither offensive line for the Bears or the Dolphins was uh, anything much to uh, talk about. But uh, in the games, both offensive lines held up reasonably well. Like I said, there was pressure there, but there were very few uh, sacks. I don't think Tua didn't get sacked once, and I, and I don't know if, if Brissett did uh, or not. I know we got to the third guy, but uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think we got to Brissett before uh, he uh, called it in. But um, when Fields came in, you know, obviously there was a lot of excitement. That was the main reason I think most of us were watching. Uh, you know, obviously the Bears are playing for the first time in seven months or or whatever it was. And, um, you know, we all wanted to see that. But um, we all were here for Justin Fields. So those were the longest drives. <laughs> those are the longest three and outs in, in Bears history uh, waiting for this kid to get his turn. Uh, and when he went out there, it was kind of more of the same, continuing off of the uh, Andy Dalton uh, thing, you know, Andy Dalton, I think was like one for two or something like that. Two for four, excuse me. I'm looking at the stats right now. Two for four for 10 yards, uh, in his two drives. Uh, you know, he, um, he, uh, the dolphins were, were, were playing tight coverage, uh, out there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all over the quick slants. We tried to get a, a quick slant for a first down on, on the first drive on third down, Intended for Darnell Mooney went uh, was incomplete. Uh, I think we tried to do it again, um, but it's like when Justin Fields came out, uh, it was it was more the same. It was more, it it really felt like we were running Mitch's offense. It was a lot of dump offs, you know, getting it out into the into the flat and and, and you know very much in the first level. We weren't looking downfield uh, or anything, uh, and I th- and I, maybe it was by design that we just wanted to get the kids some early completions, get him some confidence let him you know get a get a whiff of the game and the speed of it and everything he made an interesting comment that um people are taking out of context uh you know because they're they're only taking the first piece of it not the statements in its entirety um booger mcfarland did that on espn earlier we'll talk about that in a second but um you know in 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 the first like five drives you know we went three and out all five times and, uh, you know, 0.0 first downs and zero excitement uh, from the crowd for everything that we'd been 
uh, waiting for. And then the Dolphins score the touchdown with 45 seconds to go to go up 13-0 right before the half. Justin Fields comes out, and um, not to make a comparison to the two, but you know, Mike Glennon's debut in a Bear uniform was a disaster. Andy Dalton's debut was not a disaster. It was it was what it was because he was only out there for six plays, two quick drives, uh, and everything like that. So I'm not passing any judgment on Andy Dalton. He's going to play more on Saturday. That will give us a better indication of who Andy Dalton is in a Bear uniform this coming Saturday. But in preseason debut of, of 2017, Mike Glennon was an unmitigated disaster, and then Mitch comes in and runs the two-minute drill and gets the Bears into the end zone, and uh, or at least got us a field goal. I'm pretty sure it was a touchdown, but uh, he basically came in and did everything that Mike Glennon was incapable of doing uh, in those first few drives. Mike Glennon played most of the first half uh, in that game, and then Mitch came in right at the end of the second quarter, led us immediately on a touchdown drive, and then did it again first drive in the second half. Um, you know, Fields in that two-minute drill, it's like they just like they just let him play football. And just like we always kind of saw how Mitch was always better in those situations because there was no room to think. It was just boom, boom, boom. He had to act uh, kind of thing. Uh, it just uh, that's kind of what it, what it looked like before. Uh, not that, you know, I, I'm talking myself into a corner here, but it's I'm not trying to compare Mitch to uh, Justin or think that I see anything of Mitch in Justin Fields. What I'm saying was the deb- debuts were very similar and it just looked like, you know, I'm saying that this was more of something that Nagy was imposing on Justin Fields before that two minute drill. And it just seemed like, okay, two minute drill, all bets are off. You know, just go out there, take what the defense gives you get out of bounds, get us downfield, see if we can't get a field goal on the board. And Justin Fields went out there and he did it. Made some nice throws, you know, ran around a little bit, got us some first downs, got us in field goal range. Cairo Santos nails a uh, 53-yard field goal. Nice to see that, uh, it was. you know, I mean, I know it's the first kick of the preseason, but he nailed a 53-yarder with room to spare. It's nice to see, you know, at least from first indication, last year was not a fluke. Uh, he hasn't missed a kick in quite a while. But, um, you know, but then we come in for the second half, and it was completely different. It was completely different. Uh, I don't know if it was, you know, some adjustments or first-game butterflies or whatever it was, but he seemed a lot looser, a lot more confident in those two drives in the second half than he did uh, earlier. I mean, even in the first half, he, he, he went for a scramble, tried to do a spin move, and ended up fumbling the football. And the, the only thing that scared me more than him fumbling the football was that he was the one that went diving after it. And the, it's like that made me nervous was him, you know, basically crawling around on all fours trying to get to uh, the football. It's like, you know, maybe he, he reaches out and somebody from Miami or one of us comes diving in with friendly fire. And, and you know, oh, there goes his shoulder and he's done uh, for the season off a stupid little fumble uh, kind of thing. But thankfully that didn't happen but it did make you nervous uh, when you saw that. Uh, But in the second half, like I said, it looked like something completely different uh, was going on. He was composed. He was poised. He was uh, moving around in the pocket. He was making great throws. And, um, you know, well, this is where all you Mitch apologists will, will be angry with me. There was a play in particular 
uh, on the uh, on the first touchdown drive of the or I'm actually maybe it was the second one, but there was a play where uh, Justin was rolling out uh, to his right, and the defender was locked in on a receiver, saw Fields coming, and went after Fields. And just as soon as he broke away from the receiver, Justin Fields dumps it over the defender's head, the one that he was just covering, gives it to him. They go to first down. Uh, you know, we move the chains. I got a text from my dad. I got a text from my best friend, a couple other friends. And it was the thought that I immediately had when I saw the play unfold. If that's Mitch, he sails it over the, over the receiver's head. He throws it at least three or four feet over his head or throws it to a point where the receiver has to jump up as high as he possibly can uh, to get the ball and comes down and gets no further yardage after the catch or, or something like that. It's like just, you know, how many times have I said over the years, like he makes the right read, but the wrong throw or he'll make the wrong read and the right throw, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> he did that all the time. Uh, he just never could seem to, to, to balance the two. Uh, to balance it out, the right read and the right throw or, or anything like that. It's just, you know, I wasn't the only one thinking it. And I've seen it all over the internet. The people have been saying the same thing. But, you know, some have been a little bit more cruel saying that he would have done that on the Jesse James touchdown where Jesse James was so wide open that he was literally backpedaling uh, into the into the end zone, kind of standing there waving his arms. That's how, how well designed the play was, how well the play was run and actually it, it also kind of showcased what a threat Justin Fields is was that most of the defense was following him as he was rolling out what you know it's like the entire defense was kind of shifting to that side of the field where he was and Jesse James was running across the formation in the opposite direction and there he was wide open nobody within 10 yards of him uh, when he makes that catch and backpedals into the uh, end zone for the easiest touchdown we'll probably see all season and um, I don't think Mitch would have blown that throw. Um, I mean, I have some criticisms like, you know, maybe uh, maybe he would have made it interesting, you know, like maybe put him in a position where he had to turn around and, and run for the ball and as opposed to where Justin Fields put it right between Jesse James's numbers uh, and, and everything like that. I, I was more critical of the one where, you know, the defender came off of the receiver to go after Justin Fields and – you know, it's like Justin made the play based on what that defender was doing. You know, it's like if he stays with the defender, Justin Fields is going to run. Instead, he breaks off of the receiver to come after Fields, and Fields dumps it right over his head into the receiver's hands. We get a first down. I have no doubt in my mind that if that's Mitch Trubisky, he sails that over his head or he throws it in an awkward way to make, you know, to make it difficult for the receiver to catch the ball uh, and things like that. Um you know, it's like that's that's just how I felt. Like there's the difference between Fields and Trubisky right there. That was the play that I was like, yeah, this is um, this is the difference between these two guys. Mitch would have found a way to screw that up. <laughs> he he would have found a way to blow that play. I have I have no doubt, none whatsoever. Um, you know, God bless Mitch. I wish him the best in Buffalo, um, except for this Saturday, of course. But um, you know, he's. He signed for, uh, you know, $2 million to be a backup quarterback for a reason uh, based on what he put on tape for the last four years uh, for the Bears. And uh, we got the guy that we got, and uh, I think we're going to end up being uh, very happy with that. You know, Fields, 
Fields uh, showcased, man. He, he really showed what it was that made him special, why it was that we drafted him, why the Bears, you know, even with his, um, you know, little draft capital as we had, still felt the need to um, go up and, and get him uh, and uh, make him the, the top pick of our, of our draft class and, and um, our quarterback of the, uh, the future. You know, he, he, made some, he made some smart plays on his feet, um, some really good-looking throws uh, in, in, in the passing game. And, um, you know, the comment that he made after the game um, when somebody, one of the reporters asked him about the speed of the game, what's got people up in arms was that he said it was actually kind of slow to me. And that's the, that's the bite that everybody's kind of biting down on, if you will. Uh, but the entire statement was based on what I've seen with our defense. It's like, because we have the defense that we have, the Dolphins aren't as fast as we are on defense, and that's what I'm going up against every day in practice. It didn't seem as fast as our guys can be. And, you know, so like when Booger McFarlane, I'm not a fan of that guy to begin with, but especially after what he did today, because I don't know if he's doing it on purpose uh, just to be able to say something on television, to have, you know, to get his quote out there, but he's basically like warning Justin Fields don't let your mouth write checks. Your body can't cash or your butt can't cash or whatever it was uh, that he said, because he didn't include the second half of the statement, which was it basically it, it, the, the speed of the game was slow compared to what I'm facing every day in practice. Like our, our defense and our guys, the way they fly around with Khalil Mack and, you know, Robert Quinn and, and uh, you know, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, uh, Roquan and, and uh, Danny Trevathan, that's what he's facing every day in practice. Yeah. They're not as fast as those guys are. So the dolphins, you know, weren't as fast for me as, uh, as the bears are that might change on Saturday. Cause the bills are very good uh, on defense. Um, you know, we'll see how, how they, how stay, how their second team guys and everybody uh, stack up uh, for Justin. But uh, you know, that was the statement that he made. But people are going to make news out of whatever they want to because that's basically what they do nowadays. And, uh, you know, the fact that he uh, – I mean, some people are taking it as like, man, how confident uh, is this kid or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Some of them are cocky like like Booger McFarland tried to make it sound like he was being overly confident and talking trash about the speed of the game, you know, when he didn't take the whole statement into account. So, but – you know, Booger McFarlane's a buster of a journalist anyway. That's why he's not in the Monday night booth because he sucked. So, but the guy that does love him, uh, Lewis Riddick, who is very Chicago friendly, uh, was on the Rich Eisen show, uh, was it yesterday or today? And, um, you know, he's definitely on a crusade for Justin Fields to start week one. Um, you know, it's, Performances like that, it's going to make it very difficult for, for Nagy to stick to his uh, Andy Dalton as our starter guns. Um, but, uh, you know, I do believe that that's the plan. I do believe that we'll be okay uh, with that, uh, especially if we get an offensive line together before week one. So we still have a little less than a month to go before week one on September 12th uh, against the Rams on Sunday Night Football. And, um, you know, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if it is 
Justin Fields, but um, you know we'll we'll have to see uh, what happens. This this next game on Saturday for sure, I think, will be a much bigger test uh, for Fields than the Dolphins were. I mean, the Dolphins are good, are a good football team. They were ten and six last year, uh, almost made the playoffs, but um, you know. The Bills were what thirteen and three last year. Should have, uh, you know, were one game short of the Super Bowl uh, last season. So, uh, uh, and then they're expected to do it all over again uh, this year. So it's you know I think uh, well I mean Ross Jackson and I both picked uh, Buffalo and Kansas City to be the AFC Championship game again. So uh, we'll see if the Bills can overcome Kansas City this time. If that all does uh, come true, so uh, very much looking forward to Saturday. A to see how Mitch is received in Chicago and B how, how Justin Fields will do against a, um, an even better football team, uh, than the dolphins are. When will we see Justin Fields? How much of Andy Dalton will we see? Cause I know we're going to see a lot more than two, three and outs. That's for sure. Um, cause this is basically with only three preseason games. I think this one's going to be treated as the, uh, dress rehearsal game, if you will. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm interested to see how that's all going to, uh, unfold. But, um, you know, we won it 20 to 13 and uh, wins and losses are, you know, big deal uh, in the preseason. The score doesn't really uh, matter. But, uh, you know, Justin Fields um, in the second half was 12 of 14 um, with the touchdown pass. I'm not sure what the second half yardage was. Overall, he was 14 of 20 for 142 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for 33 yards. Uh, as well, so nearly 170 yards of offense in, in those two quarters and two touchdowns. He he actually ran in uh, the first touchdown and uh, threw the, for the second one. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Justin Fields already looking like a pretty uh, pretty smart uh, fantasy football investment for those of you who uh, who play fantasy football. I for one hate fantasy football. So, no, thank you. But uh, if you're out there. You know, especially if you're in a keeper league, definitely got to take Justin Fields. But uh, should be interesting. But um, you know, some some performances that I liked in, in the game on on Saturday. Um, uh, Charles Snowden, the undrafted rookie free agent, um, you know, weighs about 168 pounds for for an edge rusher because uh, I think he weighs only like 230. Definitely got to get some some fat and or muscle uh, on that kid. But he did get a, a sack in there. Was putting some decent pressure. Uh, on the quarterback. Uh, I like what I saw from Mike Pennell. Uh, Alec Ogletree, aside from that one play where he got beat on that uh, on that 50-yarder, I think that was his worst play of the game, was not only did he get beat in coverage, but the, the poor uh, efforts to try to get Kiseki out of bounds that ended up giving him like an extra 10, 15 yards to get inside uh, the 10. But like I said, he also made up for it a few plays later, shooting the gap to uh, give the Dolphins a loss on third and goal and force the field goal. But he's been the darling of, of training camp so far. Everyone's talking about how his six or seven interceptions going into the game and, um, you know, definitely showed he's got some gas in the tank because, honestly, I didn't know Alec Ogletree was still playing football. He played with the Jets last year. Who the hell knew that? Except for maybe Alec Ogletree and the Jets. I mean, I had no idea. But... Um, you know, he uh, he played very well. Uh, I liked what we saw from Jesse James, that tight end. You know, he's also been a training camp uh, darling. So I, I believe he's probably going to – definitely I believe he's going to make the football team. And, uh, you know, that should make things interesting, have, th- you know, be our third tight end with uh, 
with Cole Komet and, and Jimmy Graham. Uh, there was no no Allen Robinson and no uh, Chris Goodwin uh, in this game. We saw very little of Darnell uh, Mooney uh, in it. It was much more second, third tier uh, receivers um, playing with Fields and with Dalton uh, in the football game. You know, and it just uh, so we haven't seen you know a lot of our starters. Uh, neither. No Roquan, no Danny Trevathan. It was Alec Ogletree and, and Kristen Jones were the uh, starting inside linebackers uh, for the game. Quinn and Mack went out there for a little bit. I think I saw a few plays out of Akeem Hicks uh, in this one, a little bit from Bilal Nichols. Uh, no Eddie Goldman because he had just come off the, the COVID list on, on Friday, so he wasn't ready to play yet. Hopefully we'll see him this Saturday um, uh, against uh, the Buffalo Bills. But, um, you know, it was uh, – we still got some stuff to work on. It's the preseason. This is what it's for. And uh, more importantly, it's, it's some tape for the, for the coaches to teach our guys uh, off of. So that was, I think, the most valuable uh, thing. So, and we saw some things that could definitely use some, uh, some work. But the, the overlying you know, theme of the day was it was Justin Fields' debut. It was uh, everything that we hoped for, especially in the second half. So from that two-minute drill until uh, the second touchdown drive, it was all gravy uh, from there. And, uh, you know, the stats are a beautiful thing. And uh, I'm not quite ready to put them in Canton just yet, but uh, definitely uh, very pleased with what we saw uh, on Saturday, all of the the tools that he does have uh, in his tool belt. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see him actually play uh, in uh, in a regular season uh, football game. I'm super excited uh, for that. But um, I do want to see more from Andy Dalton, and we'll definitely get that uh, on Saturday before I can jump on the Justin Fields needs to start week one hype train uh, just yet. So I want to see more from, from Andy Dalton because the sample size just was not uh, big enough, not even close. So uh, hopefully we'll get that on Saturday so we can make a more educated uh, assessment as to whether or not uh, the Bears just need to put the rookie in there and see what happens uh, kind of thing. So anyway, that's all I got for the game. Now let's uh, take a quick break, and uh, then we'll talk about uh, our addition and our subtractions heading into week two of the preseason. (coughs) This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. 
Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <coughs> Before we get to our addition, uh, let's talk about the subtractions uh, real quick. The Bears, um, because of the addition, had to cut six players instead of five. And uh, we waived uh, Gage uh, Cervanka, which is unfortunately for him the second time the Bears uh, have cut him. I think they cut him between OTAs and training camp and then brought him in because we had so many injuries on the offensive line. We needed some bodies uh, out there, but uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's gone once again. Uh, defensive back Deontay Ruffin, who was the guy who recovered the second, uh, who, who recovered the fumble, which would be the second turnover the Bears uh, forced on, on Saturday. Uh, he's been let go. Uh, wide receiver Justin, I want to say Waya. W, it's it's yeah with a W instead of a Y. So Justin, I'm going to say Waya, but uh, he's been let go. Wide receiver Jester Waya, sorry, and Justin Hardy, um, another wide receiver, was also let go. Uh, defensive back Michael Joseph, which is kind of a you know kind of sad because D- Michael Joseph was that uh, Division three guy from the University of uh, Dubuque and like had to go to the Iowa State Pro Day to be to get looked at by scouts and everything's been kind of hanging around in the Bears practice squad for the last couple of seasons and um you know he's I don't know what his chances of, of coming back to Chicago are now especially since he was the first cut but uh he has been uh let go and the last one uh linebacker Ladarius Mack uh was also cut or waived I should say uh, by the Bears, so pretty sure they had to run that one by Khalil first, but uh, baby bro has been uh, was let go uh, this weekend, and um, like I said, we cut six instead of five because we signed, <clears throat> excuse me, offensive tackle Jason Peters, the uh, longtime Philadelphia Eagle. Um, I think he came into the league with Buffalo years and years ago. He's 39 years old and has a less than favorable injury history, um, which is not unexpected with a 39-year-old offensive uh, lineman. I mean, this is a guy who missed the entire, like, well, he definitely missed the playoff run and the Super Bowl for the the Eagles back in 2017 and has been in and out of the lineup the last several years uh, in Philadelphia. But uh, we here in Chicago are down to our, like, fifth and sixth offensive tackle so why not bring in a uh, 17 18 year veteran uh, in Jason Peters to maybe try to stabilize the position Uh, the signing was actually announced right after the game like I think they even announced it during the post-game press conference that um, Jason Peters was going to be a Chicago Bear and that he would come in to compete to start at left tackle so we might see him play against Buffalo on Saturday Um, you know if you told me this five years ago I would be ecstatic that we got Jason Peters through the roof excited. Um, This just looks like a desperation signing, which is exactly what it is. Let's be honest. 
with both of our projected starting tackles still injured and yet to practice in the in training camp and and whatnot when in Jenkins and um uh Fetty the guy that we drafted who was who was on track to start at left tackle in place of Jenkins before his concussion Larry Baram also uh on the shelf you know that's one two and three down so we're down to our fourth and fifth tackle in you know Wilkerson who assigned more to be interior depth than anything else and uh, Lachavia Simmons, who still I believe is is kind of looked upon as a as a project uh, at the, at the tackle position right now, bringing in Jason Peters is not a bad idea. It's just that if this is where we're going with the offensive line, I mean it makes sense because you know Jason Peters played for Juan Castillo for years uh, in Philadelphia, so there's definitely some familiar familiarity there, and you know. Uh, his experience and everything makes him an instant starter. The only thing that makes me leery of Jason Peters is that he cannot stay healthy. He was hurt last year. He was hurt in 2019. He was hurt in 2018. And as I said before, he missed the playoff run and Super Bowl in 2017. He was, you know, I don't know if it was an ACL or, but it was a season ending injury, whatever it was in 2017 that, that knocked him out. He has not been healthy the last four years. He just hasn't been. Uh, he's been spent more time, you know, on the shelf than he has on the field in the last few years. And that's why he's not going back to Philadelphia. That's why he is. And, you know, until what was August, August 14th, he was unsigned, you know, until the bears scooped him up. So it's, it's, uh, it's great for, for name recognition because I, you know, he's had a hall of fame career, uh, nine pro bowls and, and all that kind of stuff. He's definitely, on track to to get a gold jacket, but uh, it, it was it's almost like when the Bears signed Orlando Pace uh, in 2009. We brought in Jay Cutler. We signed Orlando Pace as well. Orlando barely lasted the year in, in 2009 because he wasn't Orlando Pace anymore, you know. And um, we signed Jason Peters, uh, who was actually like I think at least five years older than uh, than Orlando Pace was when we signed him. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, he is, it's, we're going to find out if he can stay healthy. A, that's the number one thing. Can he stay healthy? And B, is he still Jason Peters? You know what I mean? Or is he just, uh, that guy that used to be Jason Peters, uh, you know, before he started getting staying banged up for one reason, uh, or another. So, and considering that, uh, we're bringing him in because nobody else can stay healthy, uh, you know, I think we're just basically signing him so he can join the group uh, in the infirmary instead of uh, stabilize the uh, left tackle position. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll start getting some guys back. I know that we, we, we lost some people to COVID, so they had to go through their protocols before they can come back. We were starting to get some guys back before uh, the preseason game uh, and such. That was, you know, like Eddie Goldman, for instance, uh, came off the COVID list on Friday. So he's back in practice and uh, and everything. Hopefully we'll see him play on Saturday against Buffalo, but um, you know, we'll have to have to wait and see how this all uh, unfolds and uh, you know, uh, on the face of it. And I mean, it makes sense. We definitely needed the offensive line help, but uh, you know, it's like I, I have the same thoughts about signing Justin Peters or excuse me, Jason Peters, as I did um, Jimmy Graham. Like if, if this was 2014, I'm ecstatic that we signed Jimmy Graham. 
but instead it was 2020 and Jimmy Graham hasn't been Jimmy Graham for a long time. And that's the same thing. You know, if this was, you know, Jason Peters from hell, even if it was 2014 when he was 33 years old or, or, or what have you, uh, it would have been a, a hell of a lot more exciting than the 39 year old uh, offensive tackle who didn't get signed until mid August because he's been in uh, an injury case for the last several years. So, um, you know, I hope he can help us. I hope he stays healthy. I hope this is a great thing uh, for the Bears. But uh, I'm skeptical of the move because I don't exactly trust Jason Peters to stay healthy. So I, th- I think this could all be for nothing, uh, be, to be honest. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Let's, let's treat this glass half full. And uh, hopefully the, the change of pace and, you know, we'll be able to help him stay healthy in a way that Philadelphia couldn't the last few years or the change of scenery uh, will change his luck as far as his injury history is concerned. But, um, yeah, so fingers crossed, knock on wood, you know, whatever your, your good luck uh, tactics are. So, anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the preseason week one review. We will be back next week, probably also, um, you know, record next Tuesday because they have the cuts. Uh, if they get the cuts in before then, then I will do the show sooner. But, um Look for it next Wednesday when they get the the third cut, or excuse me, the second cut in there. We go from 85 down to 80 uh, going into the preseason finale against the Titans next Saturday. And uh, so about, you know, either Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on when they get those cuts made uh, before the, before I'll uh, record uh, again. So anyway, be on the lookout uh, for it. And um, yeah. That's going to do it, guys. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.